Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. All right, I got uh, two things I want to go over real quick before we launch into today's show. Uh, the first, I actually got a question from last episode. Uh, I had a little throwaway line in there about how much grass human beings eat. Person didn't really understand that. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, corn, wheat, barley, rye, rice, pretty much anything that we would consider a grain is actually a type of grass, uh, obviously heavily modified, uh, genetically modified, if you will, not in a lab by Monsanto, so nobody complains about corn, but corn did not grow like that in the wild until humans started cultivating it and cross-pollinating to get desired traits, in the case of corn, the, the cob and the kernels, wheat and barley, obviously they, the seed pod be bigger, but it, they're all types of grass, just like your yard, or basically slightly more sophisticated cows. And the other thing I want to hit on real quick is on Tuesday, the CDC put out a press release saying that once a person is fully vaccinated, they will no longer be required to wear masks in public spaces or to social distance. They should have made that announcement as soon as the vaccines were available. A lot of gets made about people not wanting to take the vaccine. And of course, the media paints these people as crazy conspiracy theorists. And I'm sure a lot of people in that group are, not most of them by any stretch of the imagination. But most of these people, they're not wearing a tinfoil hat and believing that the Twin Towers was an inside job. I think a lot of people didn't want to worry about taking the vaccine or didn't feel like bothering taking the vaccine because they were being told that they were still going to have to wear a mask. They were still going to have to social distance. And basically the CDC, when they came out and said that, they were basically saying, well, the vaccine doesn't do anything because you're still at risk and you still have to do all these protocols. That's why a lot of people didn't want to take the vaccine. I'm sure there, again, there are some people that are worried that it was developed too quickly But it's not that the vaccine was developed too quickly. It's that our techniques and our research is advanced to the point where it doesn't take five years to get a vaccine going now. I mean, we can find out so many things about the virus that we couldn't 30 years ago, and they can make more effective vaccines much more quickly than they used to. Uh, They did get it out very quickly, but that's just the way the process works now. It doesn't mean it was thrown together in some guy's bathtub. It's just that's just how things are done now. And as far as the people that are saying that they're going to microchip you when you do that, I I don't know what to say about those people. It's a clear liquid. I'm not sure how you would hide a microchip in a clear liquid. But more than that, it's really not necessary for the government to microchip you. Every single person has a telephone in their pocket now. That telephone is tracking your location at all times. If your car has Wi-Fi capabilities, that is tracking your location. Every time you use a credit card or a debit card, that shows where you were at. And if you're like me, I almost never have cash on me anymore. Pretty much every purchase I make is with my debit card. So the government does not need to hide a microchip in a vaccine. So if you have not gotten the vaccine for either of those two reasons, please, I urge you, go get the vaccine. If for no other reason than when we reach a certain level, 
a certain percentage of Americans having this vaccine. Maybe we can get out of the freaking house and go do something again. And thank God the CDC finally did the right thing and announced that they were going to drop the mask mandate because, honestly, it was just sending a bad message. It, like I say, it made it look like the vaccine was not effective. And if it's not effective, of course, you're going to have people say, well, why should I go get it if it doesn't do anything? And I think the CDC realized the same thing. Because, like I say, that was really just the wrong message. It's not what you want to put forth to the public. It's kind of like the state of New Jersey, which if you drive into the state of New Jersey, there's no tolls. But if you want to come out of New Jersey, you have to pay. That just sends the wrong message. I actually appreciate the fact I don't have to stop at a toll booth going in and coming out. But it just looks bad, and they really need to rethink that particular policy. Okay, so now I've got a question for you. How many of you ran out and bought gas this week? Did any of you use plastic shopping bags to buy gas and store it in the trunk of your car? I swear I see that stuff on YouTube, and it gets shared on Facebook. And I swear I think 99% of that stuff is just being done for the camera. I cannot imagine that there are that many people that think putting gasoline into a Walmart bag and tying the top up is a good way to store a flammable liquid. Uh, there's also the fact that gasoline will actually dissolve certain types of plastics. I found this out the hard way one day. I was about 18 years old and I was doing something out in the garage. I do not recall what I was doing, but I needed a little bit of gasoline so I poured about a half a cup of gasoline into one of the disposable plastic drink cups, like what you would get a beer at a baseball game in. And then I ran into the house for something, and I come back out two or three minutes after that, and the gasoline had went all over the workbench, and the bottom of the cup had actually disappeared. So I'm surprised that a Walmart bag can actually hold gasoline. Of course, it's not going to seal and be safe. And I actually saw a story where a woman was involved in an accident that had a bunch of gasoline. It didn't say what she had it in. It just said not approved gasoline container. So I don't know if she'd filled up a tote or what she had done. Uh, but she was actually involved in an accident and the gasoline caught fire. I don't recall if the woman was injured or burned or if this happened after the wreck had happened and she got out of the car. But Still, it just it blows my mind that people will do things like that in this day and age. I understand that a lot of people aren't handy and they don't have a lot of DIY skills, but do you really need to have a familiarity with working with your hands to understand you can't just put a bucket full of gasoline in the back of your car and drive around? But I keep thinking back to during the campaign, Joe Biden said, Americans don't panic. I don't know where Joe had been, or possibly he just forgot the last year happened and all the toilet paper shortages, but Americans do panic, and we keep getting reminded of this every time the news says that there's going to be a shortage of something. You see the whole world stampeding out to Walmart to buy every bit that they can get their hands on. During the height of the toilet paper shortage, me and my wife were at Walmart, and we had we were not buying toilet paper, but we had gotten tissues. We were low on tissues at the house, and we had about four boxes. And as we went past the toilet paper aisle, there was an elderly couple. They looked like they were, I'm going to say, about 70. 
And the woman was freaking out because she couldn't find toilet paper. I mean, she was literally tearing up. She was that worried about it. Um, my wife gave her two of the boxes of tissues that we had in the buggy and told her that'll get her through. But, but that, unfortunately, is how we as a species react to these types of things now. And I don't think that the people that are doing this stuff are bad people. I, I certainly don't think that any of these individuals would intentionally do something that they knew was going to cause you an inconvenience. But when they're standing in front of that stack of toilet paper at Walmart, the problem is, is that you don't factor into the equation at that point. They're going to get theirs, and that's the end of it. I sort of blame the self-esteem movement for this, um, although some of the people I see acting crazy are older than me, so they were not part of the self-esteem movement growing up. They should have been old enough to know better by the time that particular movement came around. But everything in our culture today is about the individual. It's, you know, social media was supposed to be a way to reach out to others, but it has 100% just become look at me, at YouTube, Facebook, everything. Everybody thinks they're a movie star now. And I honestly think that that might be why we reacted to COVID the way we did, because it's no longer the fact that there is a disease out there and people are getting it. It's there's a disease out there and I might get it. And so we get the situation that we saw this week where there was supposed to be this dreadful gas shortage and everybody ran out and panic bought all the gas they could possibly get, which actually created a shortage. Now, if the cyber attacks that shut that pipeline down had continued, things would have gotten very bad for the East Coast. I really don't think it affected us much here in Pennsylvania. I never saw any gas stations saying that they were out of gas, but I have got friends that are a little further south in Virginia and South Carolina and North Carolina, and they were posting on Facebook that a lot of the gas stations in the areas that they lived were running out of gas. But the cyber attacks are taken care of, and the gas is flowing again, so you don't need to run out with your five-gallon bucket and try to get your hands on a little bit of petrol. While we're talking about the cyber attacks on the pipeline, the company that runs that pipeline, and I apologize, I don't recall the name, uh, it was Colonial something, they announced that the reason the cyber attacks have ceased is that they paid the hackers $5 million. And I would like to thank Colonial personally because now this is going to happen 10 more times next week. I cannot believe they announced that they paid these hackers. It, that is going to... Bring these jackasses out of the woodwork. It's going to go insane because everybody has seen, oh man, we can make a lot of money doing this. Grab your laptop and let's get to work. It is absolutely the last thing that company should have done. The first thing they shouldn't have done was pay the ransom. And I just cannot believe that there is no way that they can turn the computers off and run that pipeline manually. And if it's really set up, in a way that you can't disconnect the computers, maybe you want to think about doing that, setting it up so that if you get hacked, you can just turn the computer off and operate the pipeline manually. I mean, we had pipelines in the 70s, and in the 70s, you weren't running everything off computers. Figure it out. Give yourself a fail-safe. Make things simple. You don't have to be at the mercy of these damn Russian hackers. Just Turn the damn computers off and send somebody out to that junction point to, hey, turn that valve so we can get the gasoline flowing. 
maybe if things were set up that way, we could avoid the next round of Americans don't panic over whatever tragedy du jour is coming down the pipeline, no pun intended. But that's not really the main issue. That is a symptom of the current disease. And for about the last two years, I have really been paying attention to the way people behave in public. And I'm seeing some odd behavior more and more. Now, I'm sure a little bit of that is because I'm paying attention and I'm looking at it. But I really think most of it is simply that people just absolutely do not give a crap about the other people around them. You know, if you go to Walmart and you're driving down the aisle to find a parking spot, how often do you see people walking in to the store and they're not walking to the left or the right of the aisle in the parking lot. They are walking just right dead center of that aisle. And it does not matter if a car's coming behind them or not. They will just casually stroll right there, just staying in the way of everybody, up to the front and go into the into the store. You didn't used to see that. People used to give you room to get past it. And they're not any better once they're inside. Uh, People get that buggy, and they will do everything in their power to block an aisle. They'll be looking at something on the right-hand shelf, and they'll have their buggy parked cockeyed to the left of the shelf, which completely blocks off the aisle. And even if they're not parked crazily, they'll just stop right in the center. I mean, the just the geometric center of the aisle, which means that you can't get past it on the left or the right of them. Now, sometimes this is just a person. They didn't realize there was somebody coming up behind them. They weren't trying to block the aisle. You can spot those people because when they realize you're there, they immediately move their buggy one way or the other, and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. Those are the people that did not intend to get in somebody else's way. That happens maybe one out of ten times. And the rest of the time, I swear, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm cynical, but I swear I think people are doing it because that puts them in charge of the aisle for a couple of seconds. They get to decide who gets to travel down that aisle and who has to stand there and wait. And I want to run up to these people and I just want to shout at them, do you drive like that on the road? And the reason I don't ask that question is because they do. Oh yes, they do drive their cars exactly like that. When I leave my house and drive into town, there is about five miles of a two-lane road that runs through this little community I live in, and the posted speed limit is 45 all the way through that area. There are two little sections that go down to 40, but 40 is the lowest speed limit through this four-mile stretch. Now, once you get to the other side of the community I live in and you start down the mountain into town, it opens up into a four-lane divided highway, and the speed limit stays exactly the same. It's 45. It's a steep downhill grade with a lot of really sharp curbs, and even though it's a four-lane highway, you really shouldn't be doing 55 down that mountain. But I can pull out of my driveway, and at least 50% of the time going through town, I will get behind somebody that's not doing a little bit under the speed limit. They're doing 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Like I say, it's 45 most of the way through there, and I will get behind someone that is doing 31 or 32 miles an hour. Now, most of the time, that's it's an annoyance, but it's not a big deal. But that also happens a lot in the morning when people are trying to get to work, and you're adding five minutes to their commute that really didn't need to be there. 
But the thing that I've noticed, when people get to the end of the two-lane stretch and it turns into four lanes and they start down the mountain, suddenly they speed up to 60 miles an hour and they will drive however fast they need to go to keep any of the people that got piled up behind them from passing them. Now, if they maintained a speed a little bit under the speed limit going down that mountain, I would just say, well, that person just drives very cautiously and they don't like to go the speed limit. But when you are in a situation where nobody can pass you for a long period of time and you go very slowly all that time, and then as soon as it opens up where somebody could maybe get around you, you floor it, that's intentional. You are just trying to control the people behind you. It's a little bit of power that you get to have for 10 minutes of your life each day, and by God, you're going to take it. And the not allowing people to pass thing, I don't know why that affects people's ego the way it does. You've all seen this. You're coming up the highway. The person in front of you is going two, maybe three miles slower than you are. You catch up to them. As soon as you put your signal on and get over into the passing lane to go around them, they speed up five, ten miles an hour. So you get back over into the driving lane, and as soon as you do that, they back off again, and you'll catch up to them in another mile, and you'll go to pass, and they'll speed up. And I just don't get it. Why do you care? Why do you care if the person coming up behind you passes you? I see, again, I do a lot of traveling. I'm on the interstate a lot. I see that, and it's not every single time that I drive on the interstate. It is multiple times every time I drive on the interstate. And when I'm driving back home to Virginia, I'm on the interstate for a full work day, basically. It's six hours to where my parents live. And in that amount of time, I will have to deal with somebody that does this crap where, you know, you go to pass them and they speed up. You go to pass them and they speed up. And You'll do that for miles until they either turn off or finally let you go and maintain speed for more than two minutes. But, I mean, that will happen two or three times in that drive, and it'll happen two or three times on the way back home, and it'll happen two or three times the next time I drive home. And those examples are things that I feel are kind of intentional and malicious, but there's a lot of things that go on on the roads that would be taken care of completely if people just knew the rules of the road and what they were supposed to do in a given situation. You can pull up to any intersection you can find and sit there for a couple of minutes. You'll see somebody that does not understand who has the right-of-way at that intersection. Pennsylvania has got this weird obsession with putting in roundabouts, and nobody knows how to drive on a damn roundabout in this country. There was one down below the dealership that I worked at for years, and I actually went through that roundabout every day going home. I could have had an accident in that roundabout where it would have been 100% the other person's fault probably three days a week. It's not rocket science. Uh, in case there's anybody listening that does not understand what you do at a roundabout, if you are coming up to a roundabout, you yield. If you are in the roundabout or turning out of the roundabout, you have the right-of-way. It's pretty straightforward. I, nobody can figure it out, at least probably just from my anecdotal evidence that I've seen with my own two eyes, about 75% of the drivers on the road don't know what to do when they get to that roundabout. And 
how often do you see you'll be on the interstate? The speed limit's 70 miles an hour, and there's 15 cars within a half mile of you behind you. The person in front of you will be taking the exit. They'll hit their signal. They're getting close to the deceleration lane, and they will slow down to 40 on the interstate to get into the deceleration lane. That lane is there specifically so you don't have to slow down in traffic. You get onto the deceleration lane. The name is like that for a reason. Then you slow down. And listen, sometimes people make mistakes when they're driving. Everybody does that from time to time. I do it from time to time. Fortunately, I've never had any kind of a serious traffic accident because of that, and I've always been able to avoid other people when they're having their little space out moment. But when that happens, if you're in the wrong, and again, a lot of people don't understand that they're in the wrong in those situations, but you know, if you if you make a little goof up on the road, all I need from you is a I'm sorry wave and all is forgiven. And it's that's that's all it takes. You know, hand up, duck your head a little bit. My bad. I 100% move on with my life at that point because everybody makes mistakes when they're driving. But again, a lot of people just, they don't realize that they're making the mistakes, but don't immediately start yelling at me and flipping me the bird through your windshield. Take two seconds and consider if possibly you're in the wrong in that situation. But behavior like that and the panic buying and just the ridiculous stuff you see people doing in situations like that, it could all be solved if we would readopt a couple of principles that people used to have back when I was a kid, and it's called decorum and dignity. Look at a movie or a TV show or a newsreel from the 50s, and you'll see that the men, if they were leaving the house, unless they were going to play golf or going to the beach, they were wearing a suit and tie and had a hat on. And that was just you looked presentable and you looked your best if you were going out into the public. Even if you were just going out to eat or going to the movies, you really tried to present yourself as a respectable, well-put-together individual. We have completely lost that in our society. Now, I am a firm believer in I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm not really concerned with what other people think about me for doing that, but I'm also not schlepping around a department store in a filthy pair of boxer shorts and a ripped t-shirt smelling of alcohol and smacking my kids. Again, I'm not saying I dress up in a three-piece suit to go to the mall, but I do wear clean clothes and I'm not screaming and yelling back and forth with the kids or my wife. And My whole goal when I go out is to be inconspicuous and left alone. Most people in our society today act like they are the only person in the society. You know, for a long time, we were going into this, you can't judge, you can't judge, that's their decision. We've went even beyond that now, because it used to be the thought process with these people was that you don't have the right to judge me. Well, now we've gotten to the where your opinion does not factor into the equation at all. You are a complete zero. And when you remove consequences for behavior, you get more of the behavior. And that's why YouTube is full of people throwing milkshakes in Burger Kings and getting in fights inside grocery stores and filling up plastic tubs with gasoline because because otherwise there might be a little bit left for me and we can't have that. 
All right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, thank you for sitting with me once again. All right, if you'd like to leave me a comment, you can go to my Facebook page, the Fresh Frozen Southerner page, and leave me a comment there. Or you can send me an email at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com. All right, guys, I hope you have a good night, a good weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday. Thank you very much. This show was not sponsored by Walmart. It only sounded that way.